when you're ready. You're listening to a Zephon of Spurious Morality. Recorded by Zephon. Available from all good Zephon spodcasting emporiums. Including you, Zephon. Zephon Podcasts. I'm a Zephon. I'm keeping I'm a Zephon. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Zephon, and with me this week I have Zephon. Hello! And we're here to discuss the Fourth Doctor Adventures Series 8 from Big Finish, which is where the Fourth Doctor Adventures kind of went and did something a little bit different. Um, Up until this point, we'd had existing companions, we'd had... um, sort of some nice traditional stuff it was good there's some really enjoyable stuff in those sort of first seven series of fourth doctor adventures uh but at this stage we switched up to box sets we've done a box set with leela and then series eight came along and just kind of blew the doors wide open in terms of what was happening with the fourth doctor adventures it felt like a real pivot something really different uh was coming out of it uh we got uh we got a new companion in the form of Anne Kelso, uh, a 1970s police officer. And um, there was there was a storyline running through the series, and we'd had storylines running through the Fourth Doctor Adventures before. We'd had the Cuthbert stuff going on, and we'd had sort of varying returns of the Master. But this, this was the first time that a series sort of, in the first episode, laid out, we are doing something here. This is a, a sort of tight tight run tight story arc um and of course it does have a subtitle the syndicate master plan um and it sort of i think we knew beforehand that it was going to somehow involve the delegates from the daleks master plan and that kind of thing i think that was sort of well well advertised in advance it was certainly hinted at with the name the syndicate master plan obviously um so yeah, we're going to just sort of dive straight in and we're going to go through it story by story and then at the end we're going to kind of discuss the story arc and what we thought of it. And obviously it's a story arc that's continued in further series with different Doctors, um, or a different Doctor at the very least. So we'll we'll revisit that at some point in the future. Uh, the first story on our list then is the Sinestrian Kill, uh, which is... It sort of starts off a little bit, sort of 1970s police procedural. I think there's a bit of sort of life on Mars influence in there, really. 
uh, but very quickly it all gets a bit alien. It all gets a bit interesting. So, uh, Connor, Zephon, Connor, what are your thoughts on the uh, Sinestrin kill? Thank you, Zephon. Um, <laughs> um, I quite like it. It's, it's a great wee opener for the series, actually, and it's a great introduction for Anne. Um, I, I, I like that it's, you know, she's a contemporary companion to the fourth Doctor. I always like that, you know, when the, where each Doctor has their sort of, they have their present day. Um, and the fourth Doctor's present day is the 1970s. Um, so I quite like that little aspect of it. Um, there, it does take a lot, as you say, from life on Mars, which um, I, I adore. Um, and, and I actually need to watch that through again soon. Um, but you can definitely feel its influence in there. Um, and it's, it's written by Andrew Smith as well, who... Uh, after his Doctor Who TV writing career was a police officer and then, you know, came back to writing Doctor Who on audio. Um, so I like that you're getting that sort of first-hand experience there um, in that, uh, you know, that, that that's 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 his career uh, or that was his career and he now gets to write a Doctor Who story sort of based around it. So that's quite cool as well. Um I, I think I think it's a great story. Anne's brilliant from the off. I love getting new companions, you know, new original, not from the TV series companions, because it does bring something new to the stories. It brings something new in that you don't know what's going to happen. It's um, it's the closest you get to recreating Doctor Who, the TV series, because everything's new there. You know, they're not. You know, it's they're they're adding new characters all the time. Um, so that's 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 why I love it. I think that's when Big Finished is at its most exciting is when you have an ongoing story with a new cast of characters that we don't know and we are discovering their adventures for the first time while we're listening to them. Um, so that's that's why I love these. You know, that's why I love Anne and why I love these stories so much. I think as well, it does sort of fit perfectly into the fourth Doctor's era. Like it really does slide nicely in between seasons fifteen and sixteen and. Uh, obviously not in this story, in the next story, K9 comes into it. So we kind of get to see K9 interact with a different companion as well, which is, um, it is something different. It is a bit of a treat. And I always sort of complain that K9's a little bit left behind or forgotten um, with Big Finish. I mean, he was on screen as well, but with Big Finish. Um, but actually, this is a really good run for him. I think the only fourth Doctor series where K9 does better uh, would be series nine, which is the E Space series. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's setting up something quite nice and quite different. And like you say, it's it's got very 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 good sort of uh, police procedural roots. I know that it doesn't take long for things to sort of twist up, and it's it's aliens and not just your average criminal gang. But um, yeah, there's there's an awful lot to to sort of love in this story. It does set up an awful lot. We've got a reference to the syndicate. We know that something is, something's going on, something bigger's brewing that's going to run through the series. Um, we've also got one of my sort of favourite, I guess semi-regular now, big Finnish guest actors uh, in the form of Frank Skinner. I think he plays a really good role and it's, you know, he's a well, well-known Doctor Who fan. It's sort of well-documented that he loves Doctor Who. So there's always sort of a nice feeling when he turns up and like, oh yeah, it's, it's just a Doctor Who fan having a great time being in Doctor Who. 
Um, but it's a great performance and he plays a great character. And uh, it's uh, it's just one of the many things that make up a really, really good and enjoyable episode here. So, yeah, it's a strong start. Very strong start. I, th- I actually think it's a real shame that Frank Skinner hasn't been made a companion yet in some form or other. Um, I don't think DCI Nielsen is the, is the best character to... Uh, you know, be a companion, I think he would be great as a sort of recurring anytime they go back to Earth. You know, he maybe turns up in some form. Um, but, uh, like, his, his his appearance with the Twelfth Doctor, there's, in some universe, there's a series of, oh, there's a version of the Twelfth Doctor's era where it's Peter Capaldi and Frank Skinner rattling around the universe. And I've, I'm sad I'm not in that universe. Um, but yes, I'd love, I think DCA Nielsen's a great character. Frank Skinner's fantastic in this. Um, really, really good. Um, and I would I would quite like to hear more from him in a sort of, um, I've forgotten the name of the character, but the, there was the police officer in the Sixth Doctor's era uh, in the Charlie Audios who turned up a couple of oh, times. Yes, Patricia Menzies. Meant D.I. Menzies, yes. I would like DCI Nielsen to turn up in a sort of Menzies-style way every now and then. That would be quite nice. I quite like the idea of the the fourth doctor getting his own kind of earth-based team or at least person to return to you know we this is after the unit era he's not going to drop in on the brigadier at this point but yeah DCI Nielsen that would be sort of a really great character to revisit and every now and again he ends up on earth and we kind of get Frank Skinner audibly rubbling his eyes and oh god it's that doctor again uh that'd be rather fantastic i think um shall we should we shift on to story number two yes let's so story number two is planet of the drashigs and i remember there being a sort of collective maybe rolling rolling of the eyes when this one was sort of first announced like oh we're doing drash eggs how can they carry their own sort of audio episode and but they do i think you know it, it, it does add something to the drash eggs it's i mean it's basically just jurassic park like the whole story is basically just jurassic park but uh it's jurassic park with drash eggs Jurassic i think i actually think they're missing a trick park. and i don't know maybe it was maybe it was for rights issues that maybe didn't want to sail you know just that close to the sun but I think they missed a trick when they didn't call it Drashig Park. Yeah, that would have been absolutely fantastic. But Planet of the Drashigs, it works perfectly fine. Um, as I said before, this kind of introduces us to K9 Mark II. It's kind of his first story, um, which I quite like the idea that K9 Mark II does get a first story. Um, it, it kind of, he's just there in the Reboss operation. Him and the Doctor have obviously been doing doing the thing for a little while. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get a just The Fourth Doctor and K-9 solo series, although that would be amazing. But this is this is quite nice. It's a good intro for K-9, and sort of Anne immediately sort of gets on with him, builds a bit of a relationship with him, you know, follows along later, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's, it's sort of storyline-free, this story is. It kind of gives Anne a chance to just be established as a companion. Here's an alien world. Here's some monsters. Let's see how she gets on. Um, and it's quite strong from, from that point of view. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Connor? Um, like I say, I think I think Jurassic Park, uh, Drashig Park, um, 
it's a really, it's a really fun idea. Um, and it's always nice to hear Fenella Woolgar turn up as well. And she's sort of the um, Richard Attenborough sort of character in this. Um, where she, uh, she's the scientist in charge of the park. She's the one who has, you know, um, brought together the different types of trash eggs. I think she's the... Uh, she, maybe she's she's the scientist behind it. Um, and then there's the... Um, there's a, a sort of more there's there's a, i've forgotten his name again but there's a male character who is more the maybe he's maybe more the the, the richard attenborough character and she's maybe more the samuel jackson type um you know what i'm coming from there she's great and it's it's really fun to hear her um in in big finish i love hearing her turn up um i think this one as, as far as Anne goes, I remember Anne feeling a little bit sidelined, which is, or, or not as big of, you know, there's not as much of a, not as big a focus on Anne as I think there maybe should have been um, in this one. Um, because I think the second story is possibly even more important for a companion than their first one. Um, because, you know, Sinestra kills the perfect example of this, where you have a companion uh, who's just discovering this world, um, and it's, they're tr- traditionally the, the the doctor's world of strangeness and alien and mystery is sort of thrust upon the companion in that first episode, and they have to cope with that. The second is where they start their the exploration. You know, they're, they're they start that exploration for themselves. Then in the second episode, they've had a taste of the doctor's world, and then the second episode is where they have chosen to come in and and get involved with it. Um, and I think Anne takes a little bit too much of a backseat in this one, for my taste. It doesn't quite make the most of her um, in a way that I would like a companion story, you know, a companion second story, you know, to you know, to make use of of that companion. Um, but I like the Drashigs. The Drashigs are a lot of fun, and I can't I can't complain about a story that just devotes itself to them um, very much. So uh, yeah, it's fun. It is. It's 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 as we said. It's just Jurassic Park with trash eggs. Um, you know exactly what you're going in. You know exactly what you're going to get, and it it does deliver on that. I think it's 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 very fun. Uh, it's quite cool that they introduce the different types of trash eggs as well. It does give them that a little bit more variety and expands on them quite nicely. I think you're you're very right about you know Anne's second story, and perhaps we. I think we see enough. I do think we kind of get the the Anne is on an alien planet now sort of experience from it. But you know, when you if you consider the Sinestrian kill to be Rose and you consider this to be the end of the world, I guess Rose actually spent a decent chunk of the end of the world locked in a room, occasionally in peril. So it, it's it's not abnormal to kind of have the companion locked away or you know, away from the action, I guess. There was there was other stuff going on, really. It's it's very much a Jurassic story, and it's very much a, like you say, Jurassic Park, I guess. I think what it what I think it does, right, actually, and this has just occurred to me, I'm sitting here, it pairs her up with K9 um throughout this story, and that's great because we've already had her with the Doctor. This is, you know, the second episode she gets to know her other travelling companion a bit better. Um so it's quite nice that she's paired paired up with K9 for this for this one. Yeah, and I think getting K nine established as part of the part of this TARDIS team, this new TARDIS team, was equally as an important thing to do. Yes, he's an established character. Yes, we know how K nine sort of works with Leela and with 
Romana and with Sarah Jane, but kind of he does have different relationships with each one of those and he has a different relationship again with Anne. Um, and like I say, I think this is a very good series for K9. I think that, and that starts here. This is quite a good K9 story. Um, and there's, we'll there's move... a great emotional, there's a great emotional payoff to Anne's relationship with K9 later on um, in the later stages of the series. And I'll come back to that when we reach the episode. Um, but that's, but it's, it's, it's good that they took the time to get her, you know, she does get very friendly with K9 um, and that starts in this story. So I, I, I enjoy the relationship that Anne and K9 build up across the series. And then you get that, as I say, that little bit of emotional payoff later on. Yeah. And it, it was, it was a good thing to sort of establish. And it's very easy to have K9 in the background, occasionally turning up to blast a villain to resolve a cliffhanger or, provide an answer <laughs> or just get generally kicked and told to go away by Tom Baker. But um, it's it's the fact that K9 actually has a role as part of this team and in this series. Um, let's move on to The Enchantress of Numbers, uh, which is um, the, the first, shall we say, appearance of Ada Lovelace in Doctor Who. Um, it, I do find it interesting that this was a character that obviously was revisited in Spyfall, um, but it, very, very different story and does something very different with her here. Um, it, it's nice to have a historical in here. It's nice to get a historical story with Anne. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Enchantress of Numbers? I really enjoy this one, um, and I think it's, it's a great testament to... Um the cast and the writing here that um, by this stage, it's only the third episode, but by this stage, when the Doctor and Anne turn up, they do feel very bedded in as a TARDIS team, um, which is no easy feat to do by your third episode um, or by your third story. So that's that's a big positive here. I think it's probably a testament to how well Tom Baker and Jane Slavin work together, um, that they feel like a very solid bedded in and, and believable TARDIS crew in this one. Um, I do think this uses or makes better use of Ada Lovelace than Spyfall did. There's a lot of elements in Spyfall and she doesn't really get the attention that uh, this story gives her, um, which is fantastic. Um, what I like about this as well is it doesn't take Ada at the height of her powers. It takes her a bit later in life um, and takes a slightly more retrospective look with her. And that's a great approach to take for, you know, one of these celebrity historical episodes Um where you're getting a little bit of a different take on her um, from, you know, that which most people know about. Like, there's a version of this that you could do, which is the Doctor and Anne turning up, you know, while it is inventing her computing machine. Um, but we come into this years down the line, um, which is fantastic. Um, and you get that slightly more lesser lesser known take on Ada Lovelace. Um I suppose so. That's a big positive in my mind, and it it it, it does base itself around her mathematical abilities, which uh, it absolutely should. Uh, as I say, it 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 puts a lot more focus on Ada than Spyfall did, uh, and and uh, it's I'd, I'd probably say this is my favorite story in the series for that. Yeah, it, it's it's perhaps the most. I don't want to say it's the most traditional Doctor Who story of the set because I think actually that's probably Planet of the Drashigs, but it's 
it's definitely a traditional Doctor Who historical. Um, and I like the fact that we have one of those here. And I like the fact that we have one of those with Tom Baker, actually, because when you look through what Big Finish has done with Tom Baker, there aren't actually that many uh, set in Earth's history that are doing this sort of thing. Of course, there are a few, but um, I think this is probably the best example of that kind of celebrity historical, as Russell T. Davis termed it. Um, and I think it does it really well. It, it's engaging. It picks on an interesting historical character. It has an interesting story to tell. Again, we can see sort of Anne as a companion. She's sort of fairly well established by this stage. The Doctor and Anne feel like a team that have been travelling together for quite a long time, actually. Um, and it's that chemistry between Tom Baker and Jane Slavin, which is just instantly kind of it grabs you and it's it's kind of infectious and you kind of get sucked along in these adventures and Anne is such a really great and really likeable character and I think that you know we'll discuss this more as we get further on but I think actually uh the arc is entirely dependent on as a listener you falling in love with Anne as a character and really really enjoying this kind of mini era um Another excellent guest performance, obviously, uh, Finty Williams as Ada Lovelace. Um, inspired bit of casting, actually. It, it's, oh, it she's absolutely really fantastic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, and sort of, yeah, again, really throws herself at the role. It's a really, really good series for guest performances, for guest actors. Um, and, it, it, you know, we've mentioned one in every story so far. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just a really good, solid historical, and it's it's nice that before we get thrown into or thrown back into the main storyline, we just have this nice little stop in Earth's history where where we get to spend some more time with the Fourth Doctor and Anne. Um, but we are we're moving on to uh, the big the big mid season finale, I guess. Um, and really, just before we go into it, I quite like the format here. Right? It's a format that I kind of wish we'd seen again throughout box sets. I don't think we actually have, which is it ends as as a box set. The first box set in the series ends at the end of part two of what's basically a four-part story. And it's a cliffhanger that's so bonkers Um you just sort of think wow okay where's this gonna go because that that was sort of nicely insane um so we're up to the false guardian and times assassin which like i say it's it's basically a four-parter we're treating it as a four-parter for the the sake of this discussion um and it, it just it, it really does sort of twist a few things on the head a few things that you didn't see coming so um, we're revisiting Kemble from the Daleks Master Plan. There's a character who thinks he's Mavic Chen, although, you know, he quite clearly isn't. We know what happened to Mavic Chen. I just love the fact that we're having this uh, sort of quite relatively uh, sort of lighthearted in tone sequel to the Daleks Master Plan 50-odd years later. Um and everything you just sort of expect is kind of turned on its head and everything's a bit a bit strange. It's a lot of fun, this story, isn't it? It's actually quite difficult to sort of start to pick it apart because there's quite a lot going on. 
and you do have sort of the repercussions of what happens at the end of the Dalek Master Plan, the Time Destructor and Kemble essentially being ravaged, but then it's been turned into a health spa. Um, it, it's it's just delightfully bonkers, and I think it's one of those stories that's just so uniquely Doctor Who. Um, you, you sort of don't really know where it's going to go or what's happening or anything, but it's yeah, it's it's deeply entertaining and obviously dives pretty much headfirst into the storyline of this series of these two box sets. Um, so the False Guardian and Times Assassin, Connor, go for it. Um, I quite like this one. So the thing with this one is, um, obviously the Syndicate Master Plan is the second part of, uh, you know, it's, it's a sequel to Dalek's Master Plan. Um, but I have a friend, um, he's actually been on this podcast uh, before as a guest. He came on to do our character options episode. Uh, his name is Kahar. He describes Dalek's Master Plan, Syndicate Master Plan, and Dalek Universe. That's He, he came up with the name for this of the Kingdom Saga, um, which I think I've mentioned before on here. And obviously Syndicate Master Plan is the, the second part of that uh, story. And I, I love doing that run. I love doing... Um, Dalek's master plan, moving up to Syndicate and then going into Dalek Universe. I think it's a, I think it's brilliant that we have this sixty-year-long story arc uh, with you know William Hartnell, Tom Baker, and David Tennant as the three main Doctors in it. Um, it's it's a fantastic idea, um, and I love being able to hear Dalek's master plan. You know, and you because it, it doesn't exist visually anymore, or, or it doesn't exist entirely visual anymore. So you have to listen to the soundtracks. Um, so you're getting this run on audio uh, with William Hartnell, Tom Baker, and David Tent as well. It's a great series to do, and it pays to do them in order, and it pays to listen to the, to all of them um, because they all sort of feed into each other and give each other, um, you know, a little bit extra sort of context and to, to build on each other, I suppose. Um, this is this this set of stories. Then these two middle stories this four-parter at the middle of syndicate master plan is where we hark back to dalek's master plan or where we start the harking back to dalek's master plan as you say we get kemble we get uh zephon um who is played really really brilliantly by john culture i think um and he's absolutely as much of a meme in this as he should be he's not played or taken seriously whatsoever um and that's the right way to do it because he's he's just such a funny character. They make him into such a funny character. Um, and he has this axe to grind against the Doctor. And it's hilarious listening to John Culshaw squeak his way through this. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Um, we also get, I think this is the first story where Anne's cover slips. And we get our first glimpse at Anya. Um, which is good, but I think... My, my, my biggest complaint with the series as a whole is I don't think eight episodes was enough. I think it should have been slightly longer. Um, even something, you know, even then, you know, Dalek Universe gets an extra episode and I think that helps it breathe a little bit better. Um, Syndicate, Master Plan feels, Syndicate Master Plan feels a little bit condensed in that you have three stories with Anne. You spend your first story getting to know her. You spend the second story with her just finding her feet in the TARDIS, and then the third story is where she is sort of up to speed, and um, as I said earlier, feels bedded in as a TARDIS crew member. It's in this fourth or fifth one then that the mask slips, and we get our first glimpse at you know that not all is not all is right with Anne. 
Um, I think that would have been a little bit more effective if we'd had another story or two of Anne being a seasoned TARDIS traveller before this. Uh, it does feel a little bit... It does feel like it comes a little bit out of nowhere very quickly because we're not entirely used to Anne yet. We haven't had an awful lot of time to get to know her. Um, but that's my only complaint about the series as a whole is that I think it could have done with one or two more episodes before this one just to make this twist a little bit more... It's, it is it is effective as it is, but I think it would have felt... It feels like it comes quite quickly after Anne has been introduced. Um, is what I'm trying to say there, um, but I can't I can't complain at all. It's a great story. I love getting the two parter in there. I usually listen to these as hour long episodes. I know they're broken into two parts, but I do them as new series style hour long episodes. Um, I just listen to them, you know, each episode one after the other, um, and I love getting two parters in these, you know, big finish sets. I love getting. I think we said recently we need more of those in the Ninth Doctor. Uh, series and this is almost proof of that because this works really really well as a two-parter and love getting that wee bit of a cliffhanger in the middle great for big finish and very unusual as well for big finish to end a set on a cliffhanger um because that's quite cool as well you get to spend you know whenever whenever you listen to these as they come out you do get to spend the intervening months wondering oh what's going to happen how's that going to be resolved I um, completely agree with what you were saying about sort of the kingdom saga. Um, and when I, when I kind of listened to all of this, um, not that long ago, uh, I started with sort of a, I guess, an alternative version of the first part of uh, season four. So I kind of went in with the Myth Makers um, just to sort of establish Katarina and then went through um, uh, Master Plan, did Daughter of the Gods as well, went through Dalek's Master Plan, but actually paused at the end of Part 7 and went into all of the Sarah Kingdom, Companion Chronicles and uh, Early Adventures, and I think there's a couple of um, short trips there as well. And I kind of did all of that and then picked up Master Plan, went through that, and then went to this series and then went to Dalek Universe. And it was a really rewarding listen, uh, but I'm so glad that I managed to get all of the Sara Kingdom stuff in as well. Um, it kind of really does kind of build on that saga and um, it fits in perfectly during the Daleks' master plan, you know, giving that sense that she genuinely did travel in the TARDIS for quite a bit of time. Um, I, I, I've always supported the idea that there's a time jump between uh, the Feast of Stephen and uh, the next episode, I can't remember what episode eight of the Dalek Master Plan's called, Bad Fan. But um, it's it was it was a wonderful little run, and I'd kind of recommend it uh, to anybody. Kind of get that into your listening order, listen to the Hartnell stuff as well as the Big Finish stuff, and mix it all in like that. Um, in terms of this, it's as you say, John Culshaw, just absolutely brilliant. Um, Treating Zephon as a joke character is, is is such a great way to approach it. You know, all we really know of Zephon is sort of bit seaweed like and teamed up with the Daleks. That's kind of all we had, and this story gives the character a life of its own, and it's just so brilliantly ridiculous. Um, it's it, it's you know a, a a creature from a planet that's called Zephon, and everyone on the planet is called Zephon, and 
they're just obsessed with basically themselves as a species. Um, this is the son of Zephon, who's also called Zephon. Um, and it, it, it genuinely is a joke that doesn't actually get old. And Tom Baker's kind of the perfect doctor to place this kind of villain against because he, he just ridicules him. Like He does not take Zephon seriously at any point uh, throughout this story. It's so, so well done. Um, and yeah, John Culture, perfect person to sort of play this, somebody who genuinely does have some real comic acting experience as well um it, it's it's just great fun and while we are moving the storyline forward while it's very clearly a very serious storyline this is having a bit of fun with it and sort of poking fun at one of doctor who's more i suppose daft creations um also you know it does nicely establish that the syndicate are effectively indeed the other delegates from the Daleks master plan and that they've they've got something going on and um like you say we we get our first sort of glimpse of it's not quite Anya because Anya's still being sort of manipulated and stuff but we sort of get a look at who who Anne really is I guess and that there's that hint there that something's not right and there's a mention of uh the SSS and it, yeah, there's, it does a lot to kind of really get the storyline moving. I kind of wish this had been a three, maybe even four box set arc. Maybe it could have covered two series of Fourth Doctor adventures and we could have got some more Anne stuff because from this point, it doesn't stop. From this point, that's it. We're just, everything is storyline related now. We'll talk about uh, Fever Island in a moment and kind of how that's a sidestep but it's a sidestep that occurs while they're pursuing the ongoing story um, so yeah from this point that's it we're just fully in storyline and there aren't really any spaces we can insert other adventures I'd love them to do a further adventures of Anne Kelso box set at some point that could be a, a pretty excellent fourth Doctor Adventures series and they just have to set it in between uh enchantress and numbers and this uh but that could be a lot of fun I'd, I'd be i'd be there for that i'd be up for that i'm hoping uh that's maybe something that can be explored we've had a lot of anya we've not had much more Anne. um so we'll move on to fever island which is like i say a little bit of a sidestep it kind of gives us one last fairly ordinary doctor who story it's not two story arc heavy um it's it's a bit of fun. It it's a play at James Bond, uh, as well as doing various other bits. It it reminds me of um, there was sort of a a Deep Space Nine Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode where something similar happened. They all got trapped in the hollow suite and played out this sort of James Bond style adventure. Um, so this sort of very strongly reminds me of that. It's got some interesting points, you know, canine asking what does it mean to dream and going all a bit odd. Tom Baker gets to play the villain, which is always fun. Um, yeah, it's just generally a nice little uh, bit, of, bit of levity before the, the storyline really does come crashing down around everybody. Uh, so Fever Island, Connor, your thoughts? Uh, it's an odd one, um, and I, 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 I traditionally have thought that this is the weakest uh, story in this in the whole series. Um, 
I I I I love James Bond. Um, I'm I I I'm I'm I I love the James Bond films. I've read some of the books. Uh, I'm not so f- big a fan of James Bond pastiches, <laughs> um, but uh, there are there's definitely some stuff in here. To like I love the stuff about K nine wondering what it's like to dream. That's fantastic, and that's it's. I suppose you could say it's fairly traditional, sort of artificial intelligence uh, territory, you know, territory. But um, I, it's it's it's. I think it's fantastic material for K nine, um, and sort of humanizes him a little bit, and and sort of homes in on him a little bit more than anything else has. Um, so that's 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 a big plus there. Love Tom Baker getting to play the Blowfield style, you know, the Blowfield style villain. Um, that's that's really really fun, really good, really good crack. And I think Tom, you know, in particular, sounds like he's really enjoying getting to do something a little bit different. Um, I think that's something he always seems to appreciate, and this definitely gives him, uh, you know, the chance to sort of play that hammier villain. Um, so that's 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 a big plus as well. Um, it's actually quite scary, you know, like the way. Tom's voice, I think they slightly modulate his voice to make it deeper and a bit more threatening. Um, and then there's the nightmarish version of K9 that joins him. Like that's 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 quite a terrifying image. This evil blue felt style fourth doctor and his monstrous K9 robot dog. Um so that's that's you know, I can pick that out as something that's really, really uh fun um and, and as I say is actually quite scary. Um and it does give us, as I said, uh, that you know it does sort of ease back slightly on the arc, and we do get a little bit, you know, a little bit more time with Anne, um, which is a positive as well. And we're, as the listener, wondering throughout what's happening with her. Um, so that's 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 I, I can praise it for that as well. Um, but I do, I think I did generally prefer the slightly more traditional Doctor Who adventures from the first set, and then the story arcs uh, stuff that's ongoing throughout it. Uh, uh, over over Fever Island. I think it's Fever Island. I'd, I'd agree with you. It, it's it feels like it's one of the. Uh, it's definitely one of the weaker releases in this, or one of the weaker stories in the set, if not the weakest. Um, I do think that it has the real disadvantage of being placed in the series where it is I actually think I would enjoy this more I don't know if it's the same with you but I think I'd enjoy this more if it was earlier on uh, it's purely because it just completely kills the momentum that gets built up by the two-parter before it and it's the only story in this gap so we're going straight into the finale afterwards it just feels like the the back end of the series is a bit rushed apart from this which just slows it all down way too much um, I think it, it really does sort of create a bit of a pacing issue. And I always find I'm impatient. I want to get through it. I want to get to the finale because we've had the build-up and we've had the Anne isn't, you know, completely who she says she is kind of reveal. And we've had all of the stuff with Zephon. That was kind of the, the funny part, the light-hearted part. And then we go into this, which is, it sort of treads a line between lighthearted and serious. It's actually quite a serious story, even though we've got Tom Baker camping it up as a, a Blofeld style villain and so on. Um, yeah, it's, it's placing in the series, I think is it's, it's sort of biggest disadvantage. And I think that perhaps it's, it's not as fully appreciated as it could be purely because of where it is. 
um, which again is, as we've both said, sort of a, an argument that this series could have been longer, it could have been a bit more. I guess at the time they didn't quite know how it was going to go down. This was the first time we had Tom Baker with a new companion. Uh, it was the first time that we'd had a storyline like this in the Fourth Doctor Adventures. Um, and it was the first time that really Big Finish had properly revisited the Daleks' master plan and the, the sort of universe that Terry Nation created around it. So, yeah, it, it's it's just a bit of a strange... It's a bit of a strange story to have where it is in a series and either moving it towards the start of the series or having another couple of not storyline-related episodes before we get to The Perfect Prisoners may have just sort of left it left it as a bit more enjoyable. But yeah, like I say, I find that I'm just kind of... I'm checking my watch. Is it over yet? Because I want to get to the finale when I when I listen to it. Um, but we'll move on. And we will move on to The Perfect Prisoners, which is the four-part finale of the, the series and the story arc and Anne Kelso's, sadly, Anne Kelso's final... Uh, final story although not Jane Slavin's and you know Anya Kingdom obviously becomes a thing after this uh, but in terms of this TARDIS team and this series this is the finale and it's I really like the way it's played I'm going to sort of skip straight to the end of the story I'll come back in a minute but I really like the way the ending is played that as far as the fourth doctor's concerned he's lost a companion he's had a companion die um, and that's it, it's just beautifully played by Tom Baker. It, it's one of the great moments, and it kind of it does sort of make me wish that he'd actually got something like this on screen, uh, because the way that he kind of plays the, as far as I'm concerned, and his dead thing, it is just beautiful, and it, it's it's a very rare moment of vulnerability from the Fourth Doctor. We don't get much vulnerability from Tom's Doctor at all. We get a lot of flippancy. We get a lot of brushing things off, moving on. But yeah, I, I do love that sort of really emotional moment for the character. Uh, before that, though, we've got an absolutely brilliant, rip-roaring sort of four-parter. It drops straight into the action. It makes dropping straight into the action a plot point. Um, and it it does break down that Ankelso character and gives us Anya Kingdom and resolves the storyline we get some really good sort of dalek master plan style um conference scenes i guess the syndicate actually master planning and it, it you just sort of there's a great sense of desperation there is a great sense that they are just sort of picking up the pieces and don't really know what to do without the daleks but at the same time they're still a credible threat because they're all such powerful beings um I think it's brilliantly handled. I think the whole thing is done really well. It's one of my favourite John Dorney stories, which that really is high praise because you know John Dorney has written some incredible Doctor Who. John Dorney's written some incredible season finales, and this certainly stands out among them. I think really only uh, Day of the Master tops it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then... While Connor's talking now, I'm going to remember like 90 other Dorney scripts that are absolutely exceptional and I wish I'd mentioned two. But for now, I'm going to go with that the only 
certainly the only Dorney finale that tops it is um, Day of the Master. Um, so, Connor, what do you think? The Perfect Prisoners, the the end of this this series. It's a great ending to the series, but it's it's where most of the story arc for the series takes place, um, and we get all the answers that we have been asking ourselves about Anne and, and Anya. Um, that cliffhanger as well is fantastic um, between the two stories where um, Anne reveals that her name is Anya. Not only Anya, but Anya Kingdom. And, you know, we as Doctor Who fans obviously know, oh, one of the first Doctor's companions had that name. Oh, they're related. Um, and that's brilliant. You know, I love I love stories where the companion sort of gets turned around into the villain. And Anya is, for a long stretch of this, the, the main villain. Um, and that portrayal, you know, is 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 fantastic, and again, exceptionally well played out by the cast. Um, and that's as as I'd mentioned earlier about you get this emotional payoff from Anne and K Nine, who have been quite close and have have been sort of good chums throughout this series. Um, you get that scene where the Doctor realizing that Anne is not actually Anne; Anne is in fact Anya. Um tells K9 that he is not to obey her anymore and he is to no longer refer to her as his mistress um which is that's that's a really really that's a that's an emotional gut punch as far as I'm concerned where the doctor has you know feels so betrayed by his companion that he's like K9 you will not call her mistress you will you will call her Anya from now on um, and K9's a bit confused as you know as to why this is, but obeys anyway. Um, that feels that feels really m- momentous to, m- to me anyway, and it's it's a great moment again, fantastically fantastically executed. Um, the story itself is brilliant. I love that whole thing about not being able to perceive what's actually around you. Um, and it's, it's one of those stories that leaves you with the questions. Well, the version that we have come away with is that even the right version? Is that even the the real? You know, is that is that the is that reality? Um, or is it is it just another level of um, you know, the 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 mind, uh, the mind chips that have been implanted in them. Um, so that's a that's a that's that's a fantastic thing to 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 be playing around with, and the story does it very very well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I felt very conflicted when I heard Syndicate Master Plan about how the Doctor ends up treating Anya because Anya is not in control of her actions throughout this series at all either. And that you know this story makes that clear, and she does eventually come good and turn against um, uh, the the Technics. It's the Technics, isn't it? Are the are the villains of this uh, series? Um, she does eventually, if I remember correctly, come good and turn against them. Whenever she realizes, you know, when when she realizes that she has been manipulated, the Doctor feels so betrayed by her um, that he decides, no, I don't want to travel with you at all. You're going to stay here from now on, and he leaves her. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, um, because as I've said, Anya wasn't in control of her own actions, um, um, and I obviously. We have Dalek Universe where the Doctor comes back and does sort of apologise for that um, and explains to Anya how hurt he felt, but that wasn't really an excuse for how he treats her in the end. I think without Dalek Universe, I'd think much more harshly about how this series ends. But because we do have Dalek Universe and we do have the Doctor coming back and meeting Anya as as David Tennant, as, as the 10th Doctor, um, 
we uh, we do get the payoff to that, um, and I I think that's great drama. I think that's that's um, fantastic material for all involved to be to be playing with. So that's uh, that's that's a big positive because we get the sequel that does go into uh, and does spend quite a wee bit of time actually exploring the Doctor's reaction to Anya. Um, so I'm glad that we got that follow up. Um, to to the Syndicate Master, uh, Syndicate Master Plan in the form of Dalek Universe, um, and I think the two do sort of need to be taken as halves. You know, like Syndicate Master Plan is part one, Dalek Universe is part two, and I'm desperately hoping that we get more of Anya going forward because it still feels even now that she's not finished as a character. Yeah, it very much feels as though it's sort of unfinished business. Um, it, it is a conclusion to this storyline, and you know we have lost the character of Anne, um, you know, never real really was she, but she was for the Doctor, that's the whole point of him kind of going off and being angry, and I I think it sort of says a lot that by the time we do rejoin Anya in Dalek Universe, you know, it's the 10th Doctor, and he still has those bitter feelings, in the first couple of episodes he doesn't trust Anya, he still misses Anne, and it's, I like the fact that it really does resonate with the Doctor, this sort of losing a companion in the same way that Adric's death does and in the same way that Sarah Kingdom's death does and Brett Byron's and Katarina's and it, it's it really does count Anne in that number um and it's it sort of you know when when the 10th Doctor meets Anya in Dalek Universe he's just lost a lot more people as well you know he's lost Rose he's lost Donna um, it's it's sort of a perfect place to pick up that story and it kind of gives, I guess, a little bit of light at the end for the Tenth Doctor, who's had a pretty rough time with companions. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is genuinely a brilliant run. It's always fun to come back and re-listen to. It's Tom Baker being absolutely brilliant, but I think you know there isn't really a story at all where we could say otherwise about Tom Baker. Um and Kelso, Jane Slavin, excellent, absolutely excellent. Really do add something to the Fourth Doctor Adventures to this run. It's consistently high quality. You know, we said that Fever Island was probably the weakest story in all of this. It's by no means a bad story. It's very listenable. It's very enjoyable. Um, I think, like I said, it's just unlucky as to where it's placed. Um, but I think that one thing that really does make this story arc is how it wraps up perfectly there's an awful lot going on the perfect prisoners is a an absolutely great story it's a really 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 strong really imaginative story um, and like you say it does kind of spin things around a bit so that Anya is the bad guy for a good chunk of it but then by the end she she does come round. she does become a good character and it certainly sets up for more and I think you're right I think Dalek Universe sets us up for more and you're at the end of that as well but we shall discuss that when we come to talk about Dalek Universe in uh, in the not too distant future I hope um, but before we wrap up is there sort of anything you want to add anything about this this series this arc at all Connor? Um, no because I'm, 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 I, there is only one other thing that I want to add is that we do actually get um, a little scene with I was going to say it's with Anne Kelso but it's 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 with um, 
something masquerading as Anne Kelso in Dalek Universe. Um, and it always comes to my scene as it always comes to my mind as uh, one of my favourite big finish scenes. But it's something we'll talk about a bit more when that comes around uh, in Dalek Universe. Um, I, I just love Anne, Anne and Anya. They're both great characters. Um, and they are slightly different characters. Um, Anne is a sort of subset of Anya. And then um, Anya opens out into, you know, a much more conflicted and, I suppose, shades of grey character than Anne is. Um, and I really do desperately hope that we hear more of her again um, at some stage in the future. As I say, that character does not feel like she's done, um, even after Dalek Universe. And I would love to hear more of her. Jane Slavin's fantastic as well. She's a fantastic actress um, and, and is... Uh, you know, you can tell that Anne and Anya have been written for her. Um, so that's, you know, it sort of does play to her strengths, I think, as an actress. Um, so, yes, lots more of Anne slash Anya in the future, please, Big Finish. Very much seconded, yes. Far more. Um, I, I think it kind of, where Dalek Universe ends, you know, we could have another meeting with the Doctor or we could have some kind of spin-off series. I think there's definitely room for that sort of thing. And this sort of, I guess I've referred to it before as kind of like Terry Nation's play box or toy box that they've kind of adventured into. I think there's a lot more in there that can be sort of worked with in mind. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of era and idea set of ideas. Um, we will return to talk about Dalek Universe sometime soon, though. Let's do a Dalek Universe episode because it Dalek Universe just continues the sort of high quality that this series has, and it's always a pleasure to listen to. Uh, but for now, we shall leave it there and we shall say our emotional goodbyes. So um, thank you for joining me and talking about this, Zephon. Thank you very much, Zephon. It's always a pleasure. And we will be back for discussing more Zephon sometime soon. Goodbye now. It was a Zephon production for Zephon Podcasts. (laughs) 